to EST. If you love the established church, this is the place to have conversations about why the established church matters, how to better serve her, and to hear stories every week about how God is using the church for His glory and our good. The show is hosted each week by Sam Rayner, Josh King, and Micah Fries. We're glad you're here. Hey, what's up? And welcome from... We're gonna let's just keep that. That's it. Let's just keep... No, no, let's keep it because I think that's how everyone feels. That's exactly no need to how edit I feel right now. Welcome to <laughs> EST from my closet because I'm working from home and I've got this set up. I'm on a, I'm on an ironing board. I've got my mic, a bar stool. I'm on an ironing board. Wow. I'm actually at the church office. So, mm-hmm. I feel like free. <laughs> <laughs> my wife has a weekly meeting um, every, every Thursday morning, which kind of coincides with this. So... I'm hanging out at the house until she gets back. And then I've been going to the office every day, not the full day. Uh, try to get there, get as much as I can done, get back home because I want to help. Uh, and I've got things to run around and do. So, uh, yeah. So, that horrible start to the podcast really kind of shows you what we're going to be talking about. But <laughs> before we talk about a horrible start, uh, Sam, tell us a little bit more about our wonderful, not horrible start sponsors. Yeah, so Church Initiative has been very gracious to us, and they um, they've kind of they've pivoted, and it's a good pivot given everything that's going on with the coronavirus. So this is the creators of Divorce Care and Grief Share, um, and even though we're in the midst of this crisis, uh, Church Initiative's mission has not changed. They want to equip members of your church to offer Christ-centered support groups for grieving and divorced people, and this is something that's very much needed now. They're committed to providing you with everything you need to continue doing that in this season of social distancing and all these restrictions on gatherings that we have. So, uh, those of you who have already, um, so they are ready to help. Um, and they've made it possible for you to offer online groups, and this is key, at no additional cost. Um, so, you can continue your vital divorce care and grief share ministries safely while practicing social distancing. Um, so, their online workbooks, online videos, online discussions, uh, their free coaching for, for you or your group leaders. Church Initiative provides everything your church needs. Um, so, if you're interested in starting a group like this, boy, this would be a good time to start a digital group. You can learn more about how you can get these effective ministries started in your church. Just visit churchinitiative.org slash EST. Again, churchinitiative.org slash EST. Yep. Very much uh, in agreements with that. And I think it'll help uh, when churches are looking to um, minister in this online time. This is the time to really partner with other people like Church Initiative and those out there that are providing great resources. And we cannot more fully endorse Church Initiative. So, um, as I said a minute ago, my horrible start to the podcast is also kind of the topic we're talking a little bit uh well half of this talk is going to be a little bit about the horrible start to 2020 and looking forward to what this might look like once our churches go back to quote unquote normal or the new is it you who told me that you're so sick and tired of the word the new normal was that you or no oh no not at all um that's not me although i can see why someone would feel that way. No, what I've been saying is this is the reset button, not the pause button for your church. If you're hitting the pause button, you're thinking, you're not thinking strategically. This is a chance to do some things you've never done before. Yeah. 
And we'll get into that. And that makes so, it a new normal. Maybe there's a listener out there that just greeted because <laughs> I said that. The new normal. I know who it is. It was another Florida pastor friend of mine um, who said that. That's why I thought it was you. Okay. So, on December 3rd, we posted a, episode 158, 2020 speculations in which you and I, because um, at the time Micah couldn't join us. Micah's on a much needed respite. He's on sort of a local family vacay right now. That's why he can't be on the show with us. So, um we miss him, but, you know, stuff happens when he's gone, like horrible starts to podcast. And we speculated on what 2020 would be like. How, what, what percentage do you think of our speculations are accurate at this point? Zero. Zero. There's no way. There's no way we could have <laughs> seen any of this happen. I don't even, I, I don't even remember what we said, but I could say this. I think just about everything we said is a moot point now. Oh, it's completely moot. And I, I do remember one thing. I remember us slightly because we know that most of our listeners are not Southern Baptist. We had a little bit of talk, like like a second and a half, talking about the presidential run for the Southern Baptist Convention in Orlando, which is not meeting now. And the president, the previous president is going to still be the president for another year. So, we were wrong. Nobody guessed that happening, right? I mean, you yeah, can no. guess that happening. No, there would be a virus that prevents us from having <laughs> gatherings, large gatherings. That no. was not in our <laughs> speculation. I mean, really, 2020 just went out the window in terms of what so we crazy. thought would it's happen. It's so crazy. And, and it's really an I opportunity can't even for us. I my brain around this, what we're doing. It's I mean, an I opportunity can't. for us to trust the sovereignty of God and just, uh, and lead by the seat of our pants. Man, I, I trust him. Um I'm just, I don't like roller coasters. So, my eyes are closed, my hands are up, and I am just screaming the whole way through this thing. We'll see how he, <laughs> how he gets us out on the other side. Um, what what are some of the things, what's the craziest thing? I said a minute ago, a friend of mine, uh, it's Josh Revis, by the way. He's the one who can't stand the new normal. The he, he can't stand that word. What's a word or a concept or something? I know we're we're both, and Mike as well, we're, we're seeing this as opportunity. This is not a crisis. This is an opportunity. But what's one of the factors of this new opportunity that's kind of grating on you or you're slow to adjust to? Uh, well, I think the big one, the elephant in the room is that we're not in the room. Mm. That, that, that's bothersome to me. It is, I'm an extrovert. Um, you know, we have, at the time of this recording yesterday, our governor announced just a complete uh, shelter in place order in the state of Florida. Uh, which we're abiding by. So, even our staff meetings now have to be via Zoom. And mm. I'm just, I'm, you know, I'm thinking like maybe we could sit 10 feet apart and, you know, so no, we can't. We just, we got to do what we're supposed to do. So, just the fact that I can't meet people in person is mm. very bothersome to me. Um, and it's grating and it sucks the energy out of me. Mm. I'm with you on that. I think the... It's not so much the online video conferencing or the video calls. We're pretty heavy on uh, Google Meet since we're G Suite and Zoom. So, we use those two a lot like everybody else. And um, But I'll tell you the part that's getting on my nerves the most is the videos. I have to record so many videos and prepping for those videos and then the setup and the lighting and the all that sort of stuff. And I know not all of our listeners are dealing with that. Some of them are just kind of like looking into a phone. And, and I would say, hey, uh, you know, good for you. That's a blessing because when you're when you're at a place where there's a, some sort of expectation that's on you or even the video crew and stuff like that, it's just like, I'm sick of it. I'm sick of getting mic'd up. I'm sick of standing there. I'm sick of lights in my face. I'm sick of talking to nothing. I mean, it is just wearing me out. 
Um, yeah, I, so I I'm kind of the opposite. But I'm kind of the opposite. I like the camera because I produce digital resources at Church Answers, mm-hmm. and I enjoy that aspect of creativity. Because the camera loves you, man. The camera loves you. No, I, no, 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 no. Listen, <laughs> every time I see myself on camera, I am like, don't call me Pastor Sam. Just call me Pastor Schlub because that's that's the, the way I think I look. Mm. But I, I don't like watching myself, but I enjoy the process. Yeah. So, that part's not bothering me so much because we're, we're trying to be very creative with our videos. Like, mm-hmm. we're we're really trying to push the envelope, hit that reset button. What can we create that's a, an enhancement to our gatherings when we are able to gather again? So, we're experimenting, experimenting, experimenting. I'm having a great time with that. Mm. Um, it, but it's the lack of the in-person gathering that yeah. is just like, Drain. oh, this is – it's devastating. It, I yeah. mean, it, it, it makes me realize the preciousness of – you know, us being together as as a body. It's yeah, that it so that's the big thing. I think most people would relate to that. I can't imagine too many pastors saying, Oh yeah, I've kind of loved the fact that I haven't had to be around my people. <laughs> no, not at all. I don't I don't think so either. And I think um man, I've I've talked to a lot of us that are getting emotional as we think of Easter. Um, you know, it's this isn't a job, and I know our listeners are thinking the same thing that I'm about to say here. This isn't just a job for us. This is a calling. We actually, I always say this, and it's kind of, it's it's a funny part to bring up in conversations when you're talking about public policy or when you're talking about stances that you're going to take or what you're teaching on. I always say this, hey, you do know I actually believe this. I'm not just pretending like I believe this so that I can get a paycheck or I have some agenda. I literally believe this stuff. And so, it's not the belief side of the thing, but I actually enjoy this for my whole life as a child all the way up to now. I enjoy church. I love the church. I love being around church. I like the goofy – I always make fun of the the old Navy – store throws up on our church every Easter and everybody has their new shirt from Old Navy and their, uh, you know, their tie and their dress that they never, you know, people who never wear dresses wear dresses. And that's a, I love it. I love everything about it and we're not going to be able to do it. And so, that's disappointing. I mean, it's sad. I hate that part. So, I hate it. Did I hear correctly you have an Old Navy church? That's the style at your church? I mean, that's around Easter time, Old Navy, you Hmm. know. Okay. You know what I'm talking about the clothes? I do know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. I just have never heard it described in that way. I have a friend I think, who, who describes history. says, we're, we're more old Navy than we are old school. And that's kind of how we are. You know, oh, just, just okay. that Easter. I get it. I get it. No, 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 throw it's, out there. no it's, it's all good. I don't even know how to describe my church. We're Floridian, shorts and flip-flops Florida's and suit and tie. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're everything. You know, we're, what's, what's the, is it the everything bagel? Is that, is that, (laughs) am I saying that right? Because I love bagels, the good bagels, the New York bagels. Mm. Um, I don't ever do the everything bagel, but I guess that, you know, that, that's the one with every, I think that's us. Yeah. I think we're the everything bagel. It could be, could be. So, I'm hating that. I'm hating the not gathering. I'm hating the videos. I just don't want to do any more videos. I don't mind them. But like yesterday, we shot both Sunday service and the Good Friday service in one day. And prepping for that on a short week, uh, it's just, it's tough. So, I just get sick of videos. And then I did four or five, you know, some for commercials, some for headers, some for exits, all sorts of stuff. So, um, let's let's prognosticate here a little bit. What time do we got here? Yeah, we're about halfway through. What? Let's prognosticate it here a little bit. I've been dying to do this with somebody, but everybody's treading water. 
they can't keep their nose above water. They're kind of moving at a fast, fast pace, which I understand. And everybody's doing it real well. But I kind of want to theorize, what does the church look like? What does the established church look like after this? When we well, go I definitely back think it's, to quote unquote normal. Yeah. So, it's 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 going to be different. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, let's, so uh, these are just speculations, constipations, prognostications. <laughs> um, Throw big I topics think, out there and let's talk about one at a time. I think so let's talk financial. That's the big okay. one right now yeah. with the economy. Yeah. So we'll start there. I think that we will enter into a recession. I am not an economist, so please don't please talk to your financial advisor and listen to a trained expert, but I'm going to act like one right now on the podcast. That's what um, podcasts are for. That's, that's exactly right. <laughs> I do believe that we are going to enter into a short but deep recession. Um, on the other side of the coronavirus outbreak, I do believe that you're going to lose 20 to 25% of your giving, generally mm. speaking. Now, every church could be different, obviously, but generally speaking, we're counting on 20 to 25% loss in revenue after coronavirus due to the recession. Um, and I think that you should be planning for something like that. So, that's one speculation that I'll throw out there is I think giving's going to dip. Let me ask you a couple questions. Fairly dramatically. So, um, constant conversations with other pastors, everybody's kind of grappling at that, that number. What should we expect? I think 2025 is a very safe, um, expectation. It's not going to, I don't, I don't personally feel it's going to be far off from that. Can I ask you, did you, how do you feel? And I know you're not an expert at this, but how do you feel this, this recession will relate to the 2008 recession? Uh, so, fundamentally, now I do have a finance degree. I don't have an economics degree. So, an economist would say, uh, you finance people don't know what you're talking about. But, <laughs> um, and I was in the financial services industry for a little while. So, I do follow these things. But I'm definitely more of an amateur than an expert. Um, you know, what was the question again? I started talking about myself. <laughs> I know. Um, 2008 recession. To the, compared to, to 2008. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be as bad. So, in 2008, you, you had some underlying fundamentals that were bad and it was the banking industry that was bad. Mm. And and that's kind of a key part of um, propping up the economy. So, you had a bubble that was burst, the same in 2000. Um, and, you know, 87 to a lesser degree, that one, that one was a fast and hard one, but it, it ended up not being as bad as some of the others. So, so we had so these recessions. So, was worse? Oh eight was much worse than eighty seven. Yes, oh eight was the worst since really the Great Depression. I don't be? think that we're going to be as bad this time around. Okay, because so, the so underlying fundamentals are still fairly good. So that um, that brings up the question: a number of pastors that I'm friends with, we all looked at our giving trends and what kind of reduction did we get um, after the oh eight recession? And so it's been kind of you know one guy said seven percent, they went down seven, we went down like two point six. So, would you, how would you feel or would you say we could look at that as any sort of indicator? I mean, obviously, it has to be some, if we're grasping at something to look at, that's a helpful one. To look yeah. At so, a, a few things here. One, mm-hmm. during 08, we didn't just come to a grinding halt with our gatherings. Mm-hmm. Um, so, that's, that's one difference here. Uh, the other difference that will be key is how high does unemployment go? So, while the underlying fundamentals are okay, unemployment could push us 
kind of over the ledge because people aren't working. Now, how quickly do they get rehired? Mm -hmm. How well does this $2 trillion stimulus work? Those are all questions yet to be answered. Yeah. Um, personally, I think a lot of people will be rehired and will come out of this okay. Just because you dipped, say, 10% in 08, which by the way, a lot of times in recessions, giving goes up, not down. But in the case of 08, it definitely went down. What makes this one different is we have disrupted the rhythms of the church. Mm-hmm. You know, we have online giving and things like that, but we, we've kind of, we've indefinitely disrupted everyone's rhythm. Mm -hmm. So, I do believe that we could see, even though the economy may not get as bad as 08, the giving may still be lower because of that disruption. We weren't disrupted in 08. We, was, we were still gathering. Um so, so this this episode is. I think this close. one's different for the church. I think it's different for the church. It may be better for the economy, but I think it could be worse for giving at the church. This episode's going to post maybe the third or fourth week in April. What? How long do you? What are you guessing that this will go for? How long are we going to be without public gatherings? Okay, so hoping that the order that was issued by our governor and by our president is what happens, which is basically. Through April and starting in May, we're getting back to normal. Realistically, I think we're starting to get back to normal June. Um, again, I have just enough statistics to be dangerous. And as I look at some of what the experts put out there, I'm seeing patterns more of, hey, April's going to be a really bad month. Things start getting better in May. And then by June 1, we're able to kind of venture out of our homes. So, would you say Mother's Day? That's kind of what you're feeling. Church back. We still have Mother's Day as a target for us to gather again, although every day that ticks by where we haven't reached the peak, so to speak, uh, that day gets less and less likely. If we were peaking now, see, it's, it's April 2nd right now. If we were beginning to peak now, I think Mother's Day would be a very realistic um, date, although we're not there yet. So, yep. I'm looking more for kind of the first Sunday in June, realistically. Mm -hmm. I'm hopeful that it could be the second Sunday in May, but it, I'm, re I'm really believing it's probably first Sunday in June. Yeah, I told my staff the exact same thing that, I mean, the, the official word is Mother's Day, but I, I'm, I'm uh, sadly thinking it would be more the first Sunday in June. I also am curious about just when you go through a trauma and we are going through a collective communal trauma um, and the force, everything in us right now. I mean, I was watching television the other day and the show was produced like two years ago or something like that. It was a Netflix and it was all posted. And uh, it was a it was a what do you call those? Uh, Documentary? No, uh, fake reality shows like a, a reality show. And so there was these people interacting <laughs> with one another and. uh they were in a group and my gut reaction without even thinking about it, my gut reaction was y'all are too close. Y'all need to spread out. And then I had to catch myself thinking, this is a show and it's old. They, you know, every group is not evil now, but I think we're kind of training ourselves to be hyper germ phobe. And so I'm curious about even when we get back together and I know there's a great swell of people saying, oh, I can't wait to be back with the church, but I'm a little curious if people are going to be as willing to just rush out the door and get in massive groups. So, in the midterm following this, mm -hmm. you are correct that the culture will change. We know that because of what happened following the Spanish flu in 1918 and 1919. 
it took the Roaring Twenties to really get people to kind of start acting normal again, you know, basically being around each other. Because we were on lockdown. A lot of cities were on. A lot of it was done by city back in 1918, 1919, not, not on a national level. And um, it did take some time. You read some reports. It, it took them a while. So, I think culturally, you are going to see that shift, at least in the midterm. I don't know that it lasts long term, but we've already got these devices that we have that was already culturally producing some level of social distancing in the terms of, I'm on my phone, um, you, you know, uh, that left some space between people, mm -hmm. uh, unlike previous eras. So, I do believe that for a year or two, I, again, I don't you know, I'm not a sociologist, so I don't know exactly, but I would imagine that it, it would cause people to not want to hug as much, not want to sit close as much, which means in your church that that 80% rule may be more like 60%. You know, it feels full when it's 80% full. That's the old rule. Oh, that wow, may yeah. change for a time it where might, yeah. it feels full when it's 60% full because I really don't want someone to sit next to me, mm -hmm. at least for the time being. Yeah. I can see Especially that. if you cough, right? Yeah. Don't yeah. cough in the service. Oh, my goodness. Everyone's going to turn around and look at you for, you know, that first week. <laughs> right. And people like, are oh, going to no. be, you know, right now it takes, you know, we fight over this situation where it's like, if you've had a fever in the last, just normally, like this isn't just COVID stuff, but if you've had a fever in the last 24 hours, stay home. People are going to be like, if I have allergies, I'm staying home because I don't want to be like treated like I have leprosy and standing off in the distance because my eyes are running or I'm sneezing a little bit, you know, those sort of things, because people are hyper germ sensitive right now, which I understand. I'm not dogging on that. I just, I think that's what we're kind of curious about. Um, so that's financial. We talked a little bit about financial, financial and social, social. So, yeah. you know, expect people to be a little more germaphobic. So you need to have more stations where hand sanitizers are out and make sure that your soap dispensers are always full. There's some practical things that you can do there. So, financially, yes, lower giving. Socially, yes, more distance. What else should we talk about? Well, I think one of the things I'm most curious about, and I don't want to be doom and gloom because I think that anytime something is coming over the horizon, I think it's far better to accurately descri describe it, maybe analyze it, look at it, and plan for it. I'm, I'm you know, we always joke about if we're optimist or whatever. I, I I call myself an optimistic realist. This is bad, but it can be better. That's the way that I look at things. And so, when we're looking at churches, I'm curious about the churches that are most in danger of not surviving this. And so, that's a hard thing to bring up. And I know several yeah. of our listeners are thinking or even worried about that, maybe losing sleep over that idea. I think there would be some factors. That so, way. I think a, a lot of people will immediately, their mind may go to those small churches that were kind of clinging to life anyway. Mm -hmm. Frankly, I think a lot of them are okay. They may not be that bad. But they're, they're used to clinging to life. I mean, mm -hmm. <laughs> that's what those small, small struggling churches do. They, they are simultaneously fragile and resilient. Like any given Sunday, it feels like it can fall apart, yet they keep on going. Um, and for those of you who are shepherding those churches or part of those churches, hey, more power to you. Keep, keep at it. Keep at it. We need quality leaders at these churches. And you may say, you have no idea how tough it's been. You know, my people, I've got 20 people and none of them are on Facebook and none of them have the internet or, you know, it's, it's hard. And I, I feel you. But I really, I think the churches that have know how to scrap 
um, you, you know, they're going to be all right. I think a lot of people think that there's going to be this massive closures of small churches. I don't know that that's going to be the case. I, I think, think that, and then the, there's going to be churches really like ours. You know, we average about 700. Mm-hmm. Um, we may come on the other side of this and be averaging 550. I don't know. I mean, we could go up because people are just glad to be back. But sure. I really think we're going to see not only a dip in giving, but a dip in attendance. Um, we'll be okay. We, we're managing and we will continue to manage. Um, and we've got some plans in place for that. So, I think that, you know, the, we're a large church for our area. In fact, we're a very large church for our area. Um, you know, mega churches are kind of unheard of in Southwest Florida. They're, they're around, but there's not many. Um I think we'll be all right. It's just that's going to change. I think the churches that will most struggle are the ones that have giant rooms and a lot of debt. Yeah, I was um, about to say that. I, I describe those as not necessarily county seat churches, but they're churches that you, that you feel like, especially as we're talking about the established churches, larger, apparently larger churches that had more debt than they should have had, and they have probably an inflated staff line. Because those two things, at least for me, this is my, you know, we keep saying that we're not experts, but I think in this field, we kind of are. That to me is a recipe for um, the most vulnerable churches for this, because once you've lost people in giving, if your giving goes down by 25%, 10%, those sort of things, there's only so much ministry budget that you can cut. The staff salaries, those paychecks come every week or two weeks, whatever you pay. And uh, that mortgage payment comes every month. You got to pay it. Now, you could go to interest only, those sort of things. But here's what happens. I call this the death spiral. And I've seen this a million times in revitalization efforts is you cut those ministry budgets. You can't do actual min- – you you can. I, I, I firmly believe you, if you can't do it for free, you can't do it. So, you can do ministry, but it's going to be much lesser. It's not going to be to what people have been expecting. You're going to lose more people. You lose more people, you lay off a staff person. That staff person's loved, even though the church knows, yeah, we had to do it. You lose that person, you lose some people. That that keeps going because that debt locks you into an area where you got to keep paying things. I think those sort of churches, and I think they run typically somewhere around 600, 6 to 800. I think they have larger debts than they were supposed to be carrying. They have, you know, meaning more than 25% of their budget was leveraged towards debt payments, you know, those sort of things. Um, I think that those are the most, that's personally what I think you're right. The smaller churches uh, with no debt and low overhead, they got a single step. I think they can, they can keep going. I mean, they'll be fine. It's those larger ones that appear to be super healthy and stuff, but they were on a shoestring budget. Well, they were week to week. Right. Um, you know, the churches that are operating week to week, like, oh, man, okay, which bills are we going to pay? I mean, there are larger, there's smaller churches that are in that case, of course. Sure. Um, but the larger ones will not be able to keep up the momentum mm-hmm. uh, that they had leading up into this crisis. And additionally, we were in a 10-year bull market. So, a lot of, and, and I feel for churches that did this, um, but they kind of overbuilt. They built in a good market. Now that things are bad, you know, the upkeep on a building is costly. Sure. Or land. You've got you've got um, landscaping, those sort of things that churches are used to having in a certain standard. And um, yeah, yeah. I think getting and rid of that's going to negatively affect them. It will. Um, and not, not every large church is going to suffer. There'll be plenty of large churches sure. that actually yeah. thrive in this environment. But I think the ones that were struggling to fill the room – 
before this hit and then the one coupled with a lot of debt. Mm-hmm. That's that's the church that's really going to struggle on the other side. Yeah. Because if you think about it, you know, we launched our early service and we run, I think, 25, 30% of the room in the early service. But that's our early service. I mean, people go to that knowing. Uh, but it it feels empty, right? Well, if you're in a large room and let's say that you were struggling to keep 50% of the room. And after this, there's just a slight decrease in attendance. All of a sudden, your room feels less than 40%. And 40% is the bottom. We always talk about 80. 40 is the low. So, 40 is the low. If you get down to 30, 35%, it's a death spiral. You can't keep visitors as easily, those sort of things. And so, I don't want to sit here and like, um, I don't know the appropriate podcast terminology. I don't want to mess on your day and say, hey, you know, this is bad. I just think that there needs to be some hard conversations right now uh, going towards the future about, I think they're most vulnerable. Personally, that's what I think. I also think that um, as far as this is concerned, as far as closures and stuff, I think there may be a case of more mergers that happen after this because of weathering the storm. Oh, listen, I think the opportunities for uh, what I call fostering and adoption mm. are mm-hmm. are very much on the rise. So, the positive side of this is, you know, a church that decides to foster a struggling church where, you know, a healthy church coming in and helping another struggling church. And by fostering, what I mean is you're going to walk alongside of them and provide them resources and people and advice um, until they can get back to where they need to be. So, that that's fostering. That that doesn't, uh, that doesn't necessarily autonomous. end. Yeah, they stay autonomous to the process. Yeah. Adoption is where you kind of do the same thing, but the end point is you become or merge, you become part of the other church. Mm-hmm. So, in either case, I think that there is going to be a movement of fostering and adoption. And I use those terms. I know there's terms like mergers and takeovers and things like that. And they personally don't offend me. Sure, um, but you're more But fam- I try to use family. some more biblical yeah. positive terminology right. to what what we're doing. So, yeah, that would be the flip side of this strategically is the opportunity for more fostering and adopting. Now, I don't know that that will happen. I just hope that it does happen. I think it could happen. I think it would lean towards adoption because even the larger, healthier churches uh, – you know, like second, second's doing well. Uh, financially, it's doing well. It looks like we're surging and those sort of things. Um, but we're still having to cut. We're still having to be strategic. I don't know that we would have the financial resources to foster, to keep another one up. Now, we could definitely do like um, advice, coaching, um, shared resources, those sort of things, which often you don't need money to foster um, necessarily, but... I'll say one last thing. We're running up against the time here, but, you know, I think our people have extra time to listen. Um, I think one of the things that's going to be a something that we got to come to grips with is during this time, we've got to be very careful that if for two months you've been telling everybody that your church is reaching some astronomical number online, I th- think you need to be careful with that. When you get back, let's say you, your church normally runs – 200, but you've been, I'll say bragging, you've been bragging that you're reaching 27,000 online through your online, give it, and it's local, you know, all this kind of stuff. When you get back, wouldn't you expect some of that to come back with you? They're going to gather again to get your you're reaching them. I think we need no. to be very careful how we communicate. No, I don't I don't know that you should have that expectation at all. You don't? The digital strategy is completely different than the in-person gathering. And if you've trained people to follow you digitally, 
that's where they're going to continue to follow you. I mean, I'm not, I mean, maybe you have a few that sprinkle in every now and then, hey, I saw you online. I didn't know about you before. Mm-hmm. I mean, that could happen. But I would not expect a massive surge of online viewers coming into your church after this thing is all said and done. So then, did I you I think that's reach an them? unreasonable expectation. Did you reach them? Well, I don't, it depends on your definition of reach. Um, I think the church has held the same definition for reach forever. I mean, you're going to reach them with Christ and disciple them. Well, yeah, I'm, certainly you could, you can't disciple through the internet. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. It has to be incarnational. Mm-hmm. Um, reaching them in terms of them coming to Christ. Yeah, that's possible. I mean, you've had TV ministry sure, and Billy yeah. Graham and all that. That's, that's, that's always happened. Um, but if you're, you know, if you're talking about assimilation, mm-hmm. I think it's an unreasonable expectation to think that just because you've been doing this digitally that you're all of a sudden going to assimilate a bunch of people. I don't see that happening in most churches. I don't think it is either. That's my point. I think it's going to – I think that you will pick up some. I think if you're doing it uh, according to some strategies, if you – you know, we went very much like this is what you – this is pretty similar to the service you could expect when you come. Um, it's a digital format, but it's pretty similar. And I know you guys did a more creative approach and other people – Yeah, we're throwing it. everything out the window. We're not even trying to recreate our live experiences. We're doing right. pr- produced, recorded 30-minute 30 – slots right. for what we do. So although we did a live one we did a live one on Wednesday night, but it was it was kind of a similar creative approach to mm-hmm. things. Are you doing a live Easter? Or is Easter going to be no. the no. same 30 um, minute? Yeah, we are sticking to the 30 minute format um both Wednesdays and Sundays. And it is uh, a produced experience. Mm-hmm. It is because what we we don't we're even debating having live you know, live streaming on a go forward basis after this, because we want everything we do digitally, we want to cause people to long and yearn for the in-person gathering. So our whole point is but to- But see, that's my point. Give, if, you, if you do that and you're successful and you have 20,000 people watching and they long for the in-person gathering, when you have your in-person gathering, they're going to come. Some it, of them. Okay. So our own people that are used to it, will probably long for it and yearn for it. So what we produce is mainly for our own people. Hmm, okay. Um uh, but I don't know that some random outsider looking at that would make it yearn for the in-person gathering. I think it does for our own people. That being said, um, we are taking the approach that everything that we do digitally is to enhance, not replace in-person gatherings. So, we have shied away from recreating our live experience. And even on a go-forward basis, we may not even live stream. Um, we may do these clips, if you will, or 30-minute spots that causes people to want to come. Hmm. Whether or not we're successful or not, I don't know. We um, could do a whole episode on this, on this philosophy because it's fascinating. Yeah, yeah, we could. It's different experiment, really experiment, it experiment. Yeah. That's what I've told the team. Experiment with anything and everything. Be as creative as you possibly can. I'll tell the listeners that now. Your church is going to give you all sorts of leeway. Now is the time to try things that have never been tried before. Stop trying to reinvent. Stop trying to recreate the things that you've always done. Right. Now is the time to be very creative. Right. So that's all the time we have for today. We want to encourage you to check out Church Initiative. You can find that in the show notes, Sam's website, and hear more after this. Thanks for listening. Hey, I'm Tom Rayner, and I am sharing with you a great resource for pastors. I always get excited when I can offer something to pastors and other staff members. But this is stuff for ministering to grieving people in your congregation and community. As pastors, it's hard, even as in the role we have, for us to know what to say and how to say when ministering to a person 
who has lost a loved one. What you need is a glimpse of the minds of grieving people. And that's exactly what this resource, Grief Share, provides. Their free book, Eight Things Grieving People Wish Their Pastor Knew, gives insight into how people grieve, how they misinterpret their feelings, and helpful things you can say and do to help people through the grief process. Visit griefshare.org forward slash EST to download your free book. You can see it in the show notes. That's griefshare.org forward slash EST followed by the number eight. You've been listening to EST, a discussion for the established church. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, as well as subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcatcher. Thanks for listening.